Hello, everybody. Welcome to season three of We're Getting a Dog. Yes. This season's going to be a little bit different, everyone, as life kind of starts to slowly come back, pandemic ending on the horizon, God willing. Uh, we have to figure out a way to do this show and also have both of our jobs. Yeah. Because I won't have as much time to edit. So, uh, because of that, we decided to cut the video portion Aww. of this podcast. But, you know, it's okay. You can That's... always Google images of exactly. puppies while we talk about it. Exactly. Also, we know that a lot of you like to listen to this show rather than watch this show so we feel that if i usually do podcasts anyway right yeah we felt if we cut the time that we take to edit this show on a video on video we can implement more research more stuff into the actual podcast get some guests hopefully in the future in the meantime we thought it would just be a great way to increase our time dedicated to reading and researching about these breeds and so, yeah, we're just happy that you're uh, hopefully l- back with us listening yes. to this season. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your support. Yeah, thanks all the new listeners coming in. Yeah, we've got <laughs> a, a great number of new listeners since we um, d- finished season two, which is insane. And thank you all so much for listening to our show. Please spread the word. Um, we appreciate you so much. But I am now going to turn this over to Dylan because Dylan has our first breed of this season. Yes. Today we're talking about Border Collies. Ooh, it's like one of the most popular dogs in the world. Yeah, well, definitely the most well known for being the most intelligent. Yes. Number one on Stephen Corrin's list. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. I figured Any it would list, be really. like number two or number one. Oh, so. yeah. They're always known as the most intelligent for sure and definitely very mid-sized of the medium dogs you know about 20 inches 30 to 50 pounds that's a good size um we're doing the medium size breeds yeah this we're season. pretty flexible about it too yeah we've been pretty flexible in every season about well, the yeah. sizes well, i, I feel like except for the first but it's hard to be that strict anyway for sure um but yeah no i'm really excited to hear about border collies i've always Really, uh, I see them everywhere, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're 35th in AKC registrations. Yeah, Most yeah. popular. So. so, and I've always seen, like, videos on YouTube or Facebook. I don't have TikTok because I'm old. But my brother keeps trying to get me to download TikTok. But um, I've seen videos of Border Collies as an occupational dog, too. Uh, and it's yeah. quite impressive to oh, yeah, see I've them at work. I've seen lots of Border Collie trick videos. Mm-hmm. Impressive. Uh, I walked a Border Collie puppy for about a week. Uh, along with an older dog I'd been walking for a while. And then they gave the puppy back because they couldn't handle it. Oh, that's <laughs> so, too bad. Yes. Quite a handful. I feel like, you know, with an intelligent dog, with all the intelligent dogs, you have to sort of be prepared Yeah. for that. I was heartbroken, but I understood. They also lived in like a smaller apartment, so at least a high-rise apartment, oh, so gosh. no backyard. That's a lot. Yeah. So how do we know Border Collies are smart dogs? Who's keeping track of what dogs can do? Guinness World Records. That's who. No one's keeping closer track of exactly what dogs can do. Our saviors, the Guinness World Records. Currently, Border Collies hold the records for fastest car window opened by a dog. I'm pretty sure that's the old crank ones. Okay. Because the automatic ones, that's not that impressive. That's cheating. I feel like, yeah, it's, a, it's an old record. So Find me the brand of automaker that has the fastest windows that go down on the button. 
Just sounds dangerous. <laughs> Especially if a dog's trying to do it as fast as possible. They have fastest five meters backwards by a dog. Most tricks performed by a dog in one minute. Most tricks performed by two dogs in one minute. Most steps walked by a dog facing forwards, balancing a glass of water. And several more. The last one, that's ten steps, by the way. Ten. I want to know... Can you walk backwards or walk down facing forwards, balancing a glass of water? Ten whole steps. Sounds like yoga. You got to be pretty smart to do that. I guess, yeah. <laughs> so I, I I couldn't find any breed with even close to as many records. Huh. I feel like these records, though, are all set by people who were like, see what my border collie can do. Well, Look yeah, what definitely. my border collie can do. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. That's interesting to think, though, that there's so many other breeds out there. Um, and you, I would think that like the retriever, like a lab retriever would have the most. Oh yeah. That's the other okay. one I looked up first. Cause it's also most popular, okay. but they only had a few. It's like For some sure. smelling ones. I think. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say they had, they like some smelly ones. <laughs> the smelliest dog. <laughs> Very dirty lab. <laughs> but really border collies best exhibit their intelligence with their remarkable herding, which is what, you know, their occupation is. They're a working dog. Yes. They have a video to show you just how remarkable their herding can be. Ooh. Okay. So this is me a little different because we've got to describe it. So there are a bunch of, are those sheep or goats? Yes. They're sheep. Sheep. There's Border Collie behind them just running very quickly back and forth. So these sheep aren't moving. Not yet. The Border Collie's coming back and forth there from the he back. Is. It's a very unique herding style. A lot of other dogs that herd use barking. Uh-huh. Border collies are silent as they herd. Interesting. And they use their body positions and just position in the fields. So I like, love the couple horses just grazing and lounging. <laughs> just like, oh God, this damn. Oh yeah, and the border dog. collie's going as far away as possible into the corner. Like around what's, things. What's the method behind that? Uh it's just like cutting off, you know, the whole so, area in so some like way. they they know to like not wander around over there. It yeah, looks like it's like looks like he's almost kind of like circling them off and yeah. like isolating them. You ever played the Tron arcade game? Yeah, kind of like that, you know, where you like making oh, paths. Oh, I see. <laughs> like can't go this way, and you're like closing in on them. It's interesting to watch this video because oh, this dog doing the stare down. Yeah, the stare down. It's like very focused. And very... This is border collie herding sheep. We'll yeah. have this link on what our Patreon or our website too. We we'll post it with the episode. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all the links now, guys, we'll post the video links with the episodes since you won't be able to see them on YouTube, like us on our podcast. Yeah. These are all YouTube. And he just and jumped he's... through the <laughs> jumped through he... gates. Yep. And he's running away. Lots of people watching. It's like a tourist attraction, it looked like. <laughs> oh, almost. yeah. Yeah, it was a guy showing off his Border Collie's herding skills. Mm. I believe in Ireland or maybe Scotland, some kind of accent. So yeah, they have a unique stare as well. I don't know if you saw. I did, yes. It's just to like intimidate the sheep. Get them to move just staring them down. Those stupid sheep. So the name Border Collie uh, comes from Scotland because that's when they were they were originally bred. Scotland and Northern England. Right. Uh, and they prospered right around that area. And collie was a Scottish word for sheepdogs. Uh, so they were Border collies. Got it. Around the border of Scotland and England. Okay. So it's a much simpler name than you'd think. Yeah. Got it. Collie, it's sort of unknown why it's used for sheepdogs, but Hmm. 
Maybe that was just like a nickname that had been. Yeah, the Scottish language developed. is yeah pretty dark history at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm not sure. It might have been Gaelic. I don't know. Is well, Scotch. One no, source? I think it was. I think it was Gaelic or like Scottish Gaelic. There were different kinds of Gaelic. Although they did actually originate in Northern England. It was Gaelic. Officially. It was Gaelic, yeah. So dogs similar to the modern Border Collie have been around Scotland for centuries. The Roman invasion in the first century brought livestock herding to Britain, and sheepdogs quickly became popular. Okay. And then a few centuries later, Vikings invaded Britain and brought with them Spitz dogs, who mm. learned about in Pomeranians. Yes. These smaller Spitz dogs were bred with larger Roman dogs, resulting in medium-sized dogs well-equipped for the climate and terrain of Britain. You mean well-equipped for the climate? Oh, yeah. You said, that not what I said? You said equipped. <laughs> well-equipped. <laughs> That's what I meant. <clears throat> Particularly Northern England and Scotland. Right. So Queen Victoria had a great affinity for collies and helped garner interest in border collies in the 1860s. Although I should say the term border collie didn't come around until the 20th century. So up until now, they were just known as... They were collies. Collies. They were like a particular kind of collie that was known for this particular kind of herding. Got it. Okay. Just being very intelligent, good yes. herders. Queen Victoria is sort of the champion of many dogs. Oh, yeah. She had a lot of dog obsessions. Yes. Pugs was one. Yes. And this was one in the 1860s. She was into border collies. Ah, it was that decade's dog. <laughs> oh, yes. And one of Queen Victoria's favorite dogs was Sharp. A collie with some similar colors to a modern border collie, but looks kind of more like a lab. Okay. A picture of Sharp. Oh, yeah. So this photo, it has kind of like the tuxedo pattern yeah. in its chest, but it definitely has the flappier ears of a lab, the face of a lab. Yeah. It looks really just like a lab. <laughs> so Yeah, almost like a graying lab. Okay. Yeah. You know, the old labs get gray in the face or even white in the face. Yes. So, uh. In 1893, in West Woodburn, Northumberland, the most important border collie of all time was born. His name was Old Hemp. Old Hemp. <laughs> Old Hemp. Got a picture of him, the too. The most important border collie of them all. Actually, wow, that's a very nice looking dog. Yes. It's kind of floofy, but it, it definitely looks like a modern border collie. Yeah, sure. quite similar. Not not quite as much white as modern border collies. They have more no. white all the way, like under the belly and yes. See, the and chest that and face. that photo, it has more of the tuxedo pattern still. Yeah, yeah. So old hemp uh, had a tricolor coat and less white in his coat than modern border collies. I see. So he is the common ancestor of all modern border collies. Got it. Also known as the foundation sire. Ooh, foundation sire. So he's the great, 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 great grandfather of all border collies. The great, great times 10. Times a lot, probably. How old are dogs when they first start having pups? Probably two or three. Probably three. So a lot of greats. That's what I've read is three. And he was born in 1893. Wow. From a young age. So many sheep. A thousand sheep. A thousand sheep. From a young age, Old Hemp was a remarkable herder. Something that made him unique was that he didn't rely on barking to herd. He used his body positions. He had a seemingly intuitive knowledge of where the sheep were trying to go 
and his owner, Adam Telfer, said he flashed like a meteor across the sheepdog horizon. Flash! I think he was also a poet. <clears throat> oh, he flashed like a meteor across the sheepdog horizon. Wow. Well, that's Irish more. That's Irish. <laughs> They're more poetic than the Scottish, I think. I don't know Scottish. Well, there's also Scottish poetry. But... So he was fast. Get yes. That. This quiet, agile style of herding is now the trademark of Border Collies today. Mm-hmm. Word got around about Old Hemp's incredible herding abilities. So he was a popular sire. Okay. Old Hemp is estimated to have had about 200 pups. Whoa. That's, that's a lot. It's many pups. Many, many pups. So many I want. <laughs> um, We're getting Border Collie. <laughs> We're getting 200 of now, them. Now, why is it any time you want a dog, you have to have a swathe of them, not just one? Because if you start negotiations high, then you work could work down the way to down. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier. Then it's good news uh, when we get I, one. I would argue it's not. Then you're really relieved when we just get one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure about a border collie, though, in all honesty. I don't know. I have to keep learning about them. <laughs> so there's no record of Old Hemp entering any sheepdog competitions, uh, but his grandson Sweep excelled at them, twice winning the International Sheepdog Society's Sheepdog Trials Championship. A memorial to Old Hemp and his owner Adam Telfer in Old Hemp's birthplace of West Woodburn was unveiled in 2015. Ooh, that's very recent, actually. Oh, yes. And West Woodburn, by the way, is in like northern England, very close to the border of Scotland. We have to go see this memorial. Actually, I think it'd be cool to see all these dog memorials. Like, I want to see the one in Japan of the Akita. Oh, I was about to say, we could do a big road trip just of Britain. We do a lot of dog memorials. That's true. <laughs> big dog capital, but starting in Japan. <clears throat> It's already a worldwide trip. <laughs> Are there any in America that they we can start with? Go meet some dingoes in Australia. Dingo babies. I just think of that. <laughs> I just think of Kevin. Kevin? Yeah, because he wants to be Australian. I, no. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Elaine doing it. Or Meryl Streep. Oh, she played the role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sad. We got to do an episode on that movie. No, we, we don't. We don't. Expose. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the 1890s, border collies were being exported around the world for their expert sheep herding abilities. Ooh. Some of the earliest countries to import the breed were Australia, New Zealand, the U.S., Canada, and Argentina. So some big sheep di- countries, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. With that Argentina. were also connected to Britain. Sure. The first known use of the term border collie was in 1915 by James Reed, secretary of the International Sheepdog Society. The breed had grown more distinct from their collies over the decades, or the other collies. Right. uh, But didn't get an official name until then. Well, I suppose when you have that kind of sway as secretary of the Sheepdog Society, you can probably get that kind of thing done. Yeah, he might have been just the first to officially use it. Might have been rolling around. The collies around the border. The collie. I feel like that's a song. The collies around the border. But then Queen it's Victoria. A Bob Dylan song. <laughs> Queen Victoria had, had them like fifty years earlier too. So. Yeah. I don't know. Queen Victoria was a great not only breeder and and tr- like that was a hobby of hers, 
but well, I shouldn't say great. I'm sure there was some inhumanity in there, but it was the 19th century. Uh, but I, but no, nah, I've heard nothing but good things about the royal family lately. <laughs> I think they're a pretty stand up organization. She was very instrumental in the kind of the like the elite knowing about all these different dogs. And once elite people got a hold of them, record keeping kicked kicked in because they were affiliated to the kennel club or they founded the kennel club like you know everyone's obsessed with what the royals here doing so yeah yeah first we want to know all about queen victoria's dog so queen victoria and then they got the name in 1915 officially at least from the secretary of the international sheepdog society international sheepdog society so born in 1963 whiston cap became another highly influential border collie he was a champion sheepdog, and his descendants include three supreme champions. The standards for the Border Collie were based on Whiston Cap, as set by the International Sheepdog Society. So is they were the... like a they were ability based standards, though. Not oh, not. Well, my my question was going to be: uh, Does the Border Collie not have its own? breed club is it still represented by the international sheepdog society yes the akc had yet to recognize the breed but as of 1963 oh yeah many border collie owners many border collie owners didn't want the akc to recognize the breed well i know that historically the akc had gone through a lot of issues between like the 20s to the 50s i wonder what the hesitancy was was, they were a working breed and they wanted the border collie owners, at least a lot of them, wanted the standards to stay like in terms of ability. Whereas the AKC, the AKC always categorized dogs or, and, you know, as um, standardized them based on appearance. Right. OK, I understand. OK. A lot of owners just did not want a standard appearance for the border collie. Because they felt that the work is more important to the breed than the appearance. Yeah. Got it. Entirely okay. defining it. Sure. And the AKC felt similarly for a long time, with presidents and directors publicly stating that border collies were not appropriate for shows, as the breeding focused on performance rather than appearance. Right. When the United States Border Collie Club was founded in 1975, one of the goals was to oppose any physical standardization of the breed. So for a while, the AKC and the USBCC worked well together. Uh, the the U.S. Border Collie Club. Club. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, what could USBCC mean? <laughs> <laughs> but then in 1994, the AKC began hinting that if Border Collie didn't become fully recognized, uh, they would be barred from all AKC events, including obedience, agility, and frisbee competitions that they excelled at. Wow. As recently as 94, I was a year old. Yeah. They were. They still were just not a breed, but they were doing great in all these other AKC competitions. So that's they just weren't in like the official shows. So like, if you went to an AKC sponsored like, <clears throat> um, obedience show or agility, yeah, border collies could make their appearance there. Oh yeah, and they almost always did. Ex- so, but when it came to like the televised, you know, national dog show or stuff like that, border collies were not a part of the AKC showing. Yeah. Because there's no standard. I didn't know that dogs who had like a like an ability standard, but not a physical like a physical standard, could do that. I thought if you weren't registered to the AKC, you were not allowed to compete as a breed in anything. 
Yeah, it was interesting that they could do those other AKC competitions until 94 when the AKC started hinting, I guess, they wouldn't be able to. Sure. And it's weird because German Shepherds and like other working breeds we've talked about, like Labs, like they have completely different histories where they just get like different lines of dogs. They have like show lines and working lines. Right, right. Interesting. Like, I don't know, it didn't seem like there was as much of an issue with, I don't know, breeders accepting appearance-based standards. Although, I mean, it just sort of separated the lines. That's, yeah. I guess, how they resolved it. Well, and there are breeders who don't agree with line breeding and think that it's it, it does make more health problems for the dog to keep their appearance the same or... Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of controversy with Border Collies in general, just because even with the performance standards, they keep, you know, bloodlines very tight in a lot of sure. cases. Sure, Just to keep them as quality of herders as they can. Right, yeah. right. I mean, it's all, it's all old hemp. Just get old <laughs> hemp back. Every time we meet a Border Collie, it's just, it's another old hemp. <laughs> <laughs> old hempy. So the USBCC wanted a compromise that involved anything other than physical standardizations, like a unique performance-based standard, but the AKC wasn't interested. And so the AKC recognized the Border Collie in 1995 with the usual physical standards. Got it. And some people aren't happy about it. I, well, But there was another sense. group that started like in Louisville that began advocating for it. I think once, maybe uh, maybe before the AKC even wanted to. But sure. It's a lot of controversy. Yeah. But now, now they're in the AKC. I wonder, too, if that was just a matter of the AKC knowing that they are missing out on one of the more popular breeds, obviously, oh, yeah. in America. Yeah, number 35 registered to the AKC. Yeah, I'm, and if they've I'm only sure. been a part of the AKC for 25 years officially. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of owners of working Border Collies aren't even registered. So right. If it was such a controversy. Well, and that raises the, the question I have, too, which is, you know, all of this history, We you've really talked about Border Collies as a, an occupational dog. What's the word as far as them being a family dog? Because there are dogs that easily transition that line from working to, f you know, family friendly, good pet, yeah. Fido type. Yeah, Labradors definitely have that. Caissons have that. You know, bloodhounds have that. Well, from what I hear, it's a little more complicated. See, that's what I think. That's what I'm wondering. Because it's like, I wonder if the people keeping the dog for appearance, if they're. I wonder what their angle is then, I suppose. If they don't want the their Border Collies to work, which it sounds like this dog is really historically a working dog. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people can keep Border Collies pets. It's just more difficult than, you know, maybe the average dog. Sure. They have to be a very involved owner. Yeah. Always giving them something to do. Mm-hmm. Because they are a working dog at heart and... Yeah, they weren't actually registered to the AKC in, until 1995, so it's possible they weren't. As, I don't know when they became big house pets. I don't know. It must. I feel like they Queen Victoria had them, so they must have sort of been versatile. Yeah, I wonder too if it was good for families that had lots of kids, you know, or, mm. or you know, lots of things to keep them I saw some articles energized. about people complaining their border collies keep trying to herd their kids. 
Well, it sees things that move into wayward like parts. It's like, no, you stay in this <laughs> place. That's my job. That kind of makes sense in a weird way, but Yeah, apparently herding is like a wolf trait like tapping into. Like I guess instinct. I don't know enough about wolf instincts. I've never really researched wolves. Yeah, just enough a little to bit. know any of that stuff. But yeah, that 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 may, that would make sense. Yeah, that's all I got in the history. Okay, that's interesting. It's very um, I I'm surprised that they are so have so recently been led into the AKC. Yeah, it's interesting. But at the same time, it's still just to me. I still read it as border collies are just our working dogs. They're not really meant. Yeah, and the AKC much else is a weird organization. <laughs> Yeah, we're not sponsored by the AKC, for those of you listening. We're not sponsored by any kennel club. We feel that every dog should have their history given fairly and, you know, truthfully. And sometimes if that aligns with the AKC, we do use them as a resource. But we try to yeah. we try to represent these Let's breeds as best as possible without well, swaying into the politics of the AKC. Because there's a lot for the AKC <laughs> oh, and these breed categorizations. Like, how would we do a show That's like this? Talking it's about an, it, it's a, different it's, breeds. There's yeah, it's a necessary organization, but well, at least for this show, their history is not as clean as I wish it was. I'll put it that way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like they should they could be more of a organization that tracks breeds. Rather than mandates or standards, be like, oh, this dog's doing this thing over here. Is that interesting? Rather than, if you're going to be this dog, you'd better be like this. Well, and there's a lot to it that, yeah. Anyways. So I have some famous border collies. Ooh, I would figure there are many. Uh, I just have a couple. Oh. There are a lot. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I keep kicking your foot. If you keep hearing me apologize to Dylan, it's because we're recording this in our living room now. Well, it's always been in our living room, but we're on our couches and I keep playing footsie with him accidentally. <laughs> it's, but okay. it's okay. I and all the listeners forgive you. It's like... Well, if, if I should play footsie with anyone, it's you. So so just a quick famous border collie is Seamus is a song. Oh, Seamus. <laughs> Seamus is a song on Pink Floyd's 1971 album, Metal. And it includes Seamus howling throughout the song. Interesting. Interesting that I thought it was a border collie. I've heard that song, but we can't play it for copyright reasons. Oh, so if you want to hear it, it's Seamus by Pink Floyd. I mean, maybe in a podcast. It's not YouTube, but no, not no. through a podcast thing. No, because it's no, I don't want to risk it. Seamus belonged to Steve Marriott, who is frontman of Humble Pie. Ah. So the other famous border collie, much more famous, was Chaser who is known as the world's smartest dog for recognizing over 1,000 words. Jeez. His owner and trainer was John W. Pilly, a professor emeritus of psychology at Wofford, University, or Wofford College. It is in Spartanburg, South Carolina. South Carolina. Yes. So he would show her an object, Chaser, usually a toy, but sometimes a random plastic thing or a pair of his shorts, and he would repeat a unique name for the object up to 40 times, then hide it and ask for her to find it. Okay. And he did this with a thousand different things. Jeez. Different dog toys and whatever. Are, did he? Did they list any of the more absurd things? 
Oh, well, I have a video to show you. Oh, good. Oh, perfect. From Nova with Neil deGrasse Tyson. <gasps> Nova. I love that show. His smooth-ass voice. I can't believe it. Chaser's Herd is made up of toys. About a thousand of them. So many toys. Wow. And she knows the name of every single one of these? I hope. <laughs> they all have names on them. Written John on has them. assigned a name to I mean, each one. I hope. Never forget. Oh, because it's a... And taught those names to Chaser. It's an elephant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she has about 12 elephants. Oh, Apparently, a it's like a ran out of stuff better like a white border uh -oh, collie with some black. Oh, oh, yeah, more white. No, no, yeah, they're pretty different boys. in terms of yeah, how much pattern they have. The chaser remembers spots. the name of every single object in the pile. Every object. Personally, I find that hard to believe. Mr. Skeptical. I don't have time to test chaser's memory on a thousand names, but I will test her on a random sample. John and Chaser go into the house so they can't see. So I'm going to get a handful of toys out of this pile and see if Chaser can identify them indoors. I thought that was Chaser. With John and Chaser out of the room, right the I screen. lay some That's of the toys out behind the couch. So Neil deGrasse Tyson just took a random group of the thousand toys. Now it's time to see if Chaser really remembers their names. All ready for Chaser. Come on, Chaser. Come to Neil. Aww. Okay, okay, come on down, quick. Chaser, find Inky. Well, she got one right. So Inky was find an octopus. Seal. This is unbelievable. This is crazy. Whoa. And that one too. Okay, ready Chaser? Now, you might be wondering what's going on behind the couch. Like, is John handing her the toys? Find Yeah, cheaters. Let's check our hidden camera. They're fooling you, Neil. Oh, no, okay, there's another camera. Man. <laughs> That's insane. Find sugar. I asked Chaser to find nine toys, and she got every single one right. Wow. And remember, over a thousand toys. Huge pile. That's crazy. And I bet it. I bet it works to the dog's advantage too. When you take a group of ten of them out, it's easier for them to like decipher. Oh well, I mean, yeah. How do they attack a pile of a thousand? That's true. Well, ask go my crazy mom's looking dog for Inky. <laughs> that's that's insane. And then later, Neil deGrasse Tyson brings in a little plush of uh, Charles Darwin that uh, Chaser had never seen before, and then he asks for Darwin, and she just concludes by process of elimination that this new thing must be Darwin. <laughs> Brings That's it over. That's insane. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah, that's the smartest dog in the world. Is it, Chaser still alive? Unfortunately, no. Chaser passed away in 2019. Dr. Pilly in 2018. Aw, Wow. There's an interesting quote I found from uh, Chaser's obituary uh, from Dr. Pilly's daughter who helped train her. And here it is. What we would really like people to understand about Chaser is that she is not unique. It's the way she was taught that is unique. We believe that my father tapped into something that was very simple. He taught Chaser a concept which he believed worked infinitely greater than learning a hundred behaviors. Hmm. Which I think is cool, because dogs are a lot more excited by toys than, like, 
learning to sit or shake. True. They, they never seem to want to do tricks, but they uh, they do like toys. Right. And it, it definitely, if you are able to identify that toy with the dog, they'll pr- like they'll prefer it. Yeah. And in the Nova video, they were like uh, equating the group of toys to sheep. And I think that's where the guy got the Dr. Pilly got the idea. You can was, transfer that brain power. Yeah. Because he uh, the dog actually came from Scotland. OK. It's originally going to be like trained to herd sheep and like For find sure. them in the field and they can recognize the sheep by name the huh. farmer can be like oh go get this sheep bring them back wow that's so that kind of stuff blows my mind oh yeah but they don't even have a thousand sheep so right it's <laughs> making this dog super smart so apparently not even unique just unique training it's just yeah all about accessing that kind of knowledge of the dog and training it a specific way and also probably having some kind of, you know, I truly, you know, the deeper psychological connection of a dog and its owner. And I wonder if he had some kind of uncanny ability to just train, you know, type of thing. Oh, yeah. He was also a psychology professor. Okay. See, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's a pretty simple training method, it seems like. Yeah. Just repeat Very the object 40 times and then hide it and ask to retrieve it. When she does, she knows it. Mm-hmm. Very good memory, it seems. So I also picked up an interview that Penny Dent of Dent Bros Dogs posted on her website. So Penny's been breeding Border Collies since 2010, and she's an assured breeder at the Kennel Club in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. So she posted this interview in 2010, where she, or 2018, sorry, where she asked questions to herself and answered them on what it's like to own a border collie so on border collie intelligence uh, she said everyone believes that being really intelligent means border collies are easy to train to some extent that is true they have a fantastic desire to work and to please that means they will try really hard to figure out what you want and then do it for you however it also means they can easily outsmart you and then she goes on to talk about how her border collies will get anyone in her backyard into playing fetch with them. Right. Like just manipulate people. Sure. So it seems like the breed's ability to manipulate sheep can pass over to us. That makes sense. Well, you know, if a dog knows that, or I don't know, I feel like humans too are pushovers with dogs. So if a dog is beckoning you, people are going to go to it that's almost oh, like yeah. an innate human response like is that the right word innate yeah okay that sounded right if you can hear a child crying those of you <laughs> listening i'm so sorry my neighbors i don't think they can it can pick that up yeah sorry our neighbor has a crying child i was gonna say um i uh we were talking about how a dog can manipulate a human and i think that I wonder if dogs are aware of like their power over humans or if it's just their sheer, you know, like want to be around people that does it. I don't know that that's a different mindset to me to think of a dog knowing like, well, if I can do this with other animals, that's just another big animal. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, basically sounds like they were begging, but they just happen to be really good beggars. Sure. (laughs) That shows their intelligence in a way. Yeah. 
Huh, that's interesting to think about, I guess. Oh, yeah. They're not just begging for food, begging to have the ball thrown repeatedly. Yeah, it, it's, you know, a lot more intelligent than my beagle, who I watched on FaceTime panic pace or pace around my brother's room looking for the fries he'd put on his desk. <laughs> and he just had a panic attack that he couldn't find them. I can smell fries. I can smell fries, but, but not I'm walking on the around floor. and I can't keep seeing them, but I'm smelling them. <laughs> that make me pretty upset. Oh boy. Um, what's next? Are border collies a good family pet? Mm. Yes, if they're bred, raised, and cared for properly. Like, but it can be tough. Right. Like they definitely need something to do. Penny Dent says border collies, left to their own devices, can be neurotic, snappy. Reactive to children and other dogs, obsessive, manic, and demanding. Penny has a particularly demanding border collie named Ounce. Here's a (laughs) quote from her interview. Ounce demands that I play with her at various intervals throughout the day and gets really cross and shouty if I don't do as she wants. It's part of owning border collies sometimes. It's got to play with them. And my favorite quote from her interview on advice for potential owners is, I often tell people that Border Collies are the most commonly rehomed breed. I think this is not entirely true, but very often they're just too much for people. So just tell them they're always getting shipped to different homes. That's just unfortunate to hear. Lying to people. Well, not, well, she thinks it's not entirely true. She's oh. just discouraging people from trying to get one. Well, that's good. I mean, yeah. It's such a handful. That's, yeah. I I do think, though, that if you are going to get a dog, and we've we've said this, we've preached this forever on this show, it's do your research, make sure that where you live, your situation, how much time you can devote. Yeah, I mean, I walked the border collie puppy for only a week. They didn't even ask me if I wanted to take them. (laughs) Well, and that can be difficult, too, if they have an older dog. You have a, yeah. a new dog that requires lots and lots of attention. I wonder if that, that might be hard for owners, too, who are, are used to having a, a older, less active dog at that point. What yeah, was the dog they had it. before? I think it's just an older mutt. Yeah. But... That makes sense, though, that they can be a good dog if they're, you know, groomed, or they're groomed, trained, bred, all that stuff properly. Oh, yeah. It's definitely <clears throat> in the training and make sure they're... Yeah, not so much the grooming. Groom your dog, but that's not a that's not a big, the bigger <laughs> part of it. No, not so much for <laughs> collies. But, as much. Y- yeah, I mean, it, it sounds the same as most other larger, more intelligent breeds. It's just about the training. Oh, yeah. Most importantly. And so how much do they need exercise? Though Penny said her dogs get an hour off leash a day plus training and playtime. And many owners do more. Uh, but she says her 79-year-old's mother putters along the shoreline with hers, and that's fine. And she also said what is really important is that they have a routine and a consistent amount of exercise so that they are not overexerted suddenly. Of course, if they are fit, then they will easily cope with the odd mountain walk. On a holiday. Oh, that's... On holiday. That's on holiday. That sounds nice. So We don't say that here. We say vacation. 
One more thing she said. A word of caution here. Do not let your dog tell you how much exercise they want. And do not think you can tire it out. That would be a big mistake. Border Collies do not tire. You must let your dog rest properly so they can learn to be calm. If you let it, your Border Collie will just keep going. Which is weird. Well. I mean, it makes sense as a working breed. And they're just so resilient and... Want to keep going if their owners want them to. Yeah. And, you know, and I that's one thing I hear from a lot of <clears throat> or read about, at least, and I've heard from people who own dogs that come from a working mm. standard is that, you know, th- they are built to not tire out. They're built for, you know, to sustain themselves and keep going. So that makes sense. You know, if you're have you have a border collie that doesn't get a you know, a full day's worth of work, essentially, you know, you have to probably routine its way into knowing when it's going to be worked out, knowing when it has to not do that kind of stuff. To make sure it gets its work time, but also gets its rest time. Yeah. It just sounds a lot more high maintenance. Can't regulate it itself. Right. I mean, it just trusts you to. This is deterring me from getting one. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. I come from hound land where they they do tire (laughs) out and sleep. (laughs) Like a certain age, they just hang around the house all day. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Well, border collies want something to play with every single day without stopping. (laughs) Better not stop or they'll whine at you. So to end her interview, Penny's best advice said, get a border collie if you like a challenge. They are not a breed for lazy people. Not just because they definitely, absolutely, categorically should be exercised, but because they demand stimulation. This can be play, or training, or tricks, or just cuddles and conversation. Anything will do, just do it. Just do it! So, be great for Shia LaBeouf. God. It's ideal border collie owner. God. I don't think he's the ideal anything. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. No, <laughs> not him. Uh, that's all I have. Oh, I'm not entirely sure if the border collies for us. Um, how Certainly long do they live junction. for? Uh, 12 to 15 years. Okay. Wow. That's, that's good. Oh yeah. Mid-sized dogs. Do and... they have any like underlying health conditions that? Oh yeah. They have some. Aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Seizures can be common and. Mm. Or epilepsy, I think. Epilepsy, you know, okay. Hip dysplasia. Right. Certain things. My last other question for you was grooming. What's their grooming like? Grooming? I'm not entirely sure. It says, extremely basic. Minimal trimming around the feet. Brushing oh, as well. every other day. And uh, to check their ears for right. infection or any growths. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Well, at least that's that's something, you know, it w- I feel like that would be even worse if you had if it was such an intense dog. And on top of that, you'd have to, like, take it to get groomed all the time. Yeah, I figure for working breeds, they're usually pretty easy on the grooming side. Sure. I mean, I don't know if the Border Collie would be for us. I'm going to lean towards no. Well, maybe if we <laughs> if we became sheep farmers, that's a hard yes. Well, Dylan. If we, it's a hard yes if we're sheep farmers. If we get married and we buy a farm. And a bunch of sheep. And sheep. So many that we're like, we can't even keep control we, of these herds. We would just make yarn <laughs> out of the wool and cheese make, out of the milk. 
make millions. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I think cheese. I'm going to only just just so we can get border collies. I think I'm good. They do sound, though, like they I mean, border collies have definitely contributed a lot to the whole, you know, popularity of dogs. I feel like they've they've proven what dogs can do. They've proven how many dogs or how many steps a dog can walk down forwards balancing a glass of water. Yeah, that's important. That's 10. (laughs) Really push the envelope. (laughs) I don't know. I guess for me, these dogs are very popular and they're very, you know, amiable. It sounds like and loyal. But for me, it's just it sounds like a lot of work that I just I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they do belong working rather than as a family pet. But that's just how I feel. Yeah. I mean, they can be a very involved family pet. Definitely. Yeah. But so can a beagle. So can a <laughs> yeah, but so they won't want to be breed. asked to try teaching a beagle a thousand words. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Teachers teach it a thousand words for treat and they'll learn. Well, well, that's an even better idea. Someone tried that. That's that it motivates dogs even more than toys. Oh man, get a thousand different treats and teach it a name for each one of that <laughs> brand of treats. Get get it to bark, get a response to name. I don't I don't know how you do that with treats. I don't know. Uh well anyways, yeah. Was any there anything else you want to talk about or uh, no, it's pretty much all. Well, cool. I'm gonna do some book racks really quick. Oh, okay, I'll do some pod racks. Okay, oh yeah, for sure. Well, ladles and jelly spoons. I've been reading a lot lately. I'm not in my reading kick now, but I've read like ten books before <laughs> since we've like done this show. Um, I have read, I did read the Pitbull book finally, and that was really good. I read Barack Obama's new book, which was amazing. Um, I read Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, also really good. Highly recommend. But the one I've just most recently finished that I really liked is, uh, The Mother Tongue English and How It Got That Way by Bill Bryson. I really enjoyed it that book quite a bit Mm -hmm. and i'm excited because i found a new author that i enjoy i'd never read bill bryson before and he is very popular yeah i kind of want to check out bill bryson sounds cool sounds like i feel like you'd like him if you like um uh who's that other guy he wrote consider the lobster david foster wallace yes they they both have a ranty style Mm -hmm. to their writing david foster wallace i think is a little more philosophical obviously but it's always considering stuff yeah bill bryson's very historical which is what i like so interesting but yeah no and then yeah that's what i've been reading nice well podcast i've been into recently is i don't know about that jim jeffries i still need to listen to it well he's a great comedian and the podcast is really cool because he interviews experts just about things he doesn't really know about and he compares his basic knowledge or less than basic potentially like a lay person's knowledge. Yeah, too. They, they quiz him first. Interesting. And then they talk to the expert about the real answers. Nice, nice. Listen to our other shows. Uh, Good Food for Bad Friends is coming out every week with a new episode. This show, well, we're weekly again, so we'll have new episodes every week for this podcast. Um, we hope you like the new audio-only format. It's much, much easier on us, for sure, to get the show done on a better time frame and stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, did you have anything else you want to talk about? 
All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to our new seasons episode premiere episode shindig of We're Getting a Dog. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with my first breed of the season. And yeah, look forward to that. Do you want to take us out, Dylan? Right. So you're going to get a dog or a pet. (laughs) Oh my God. Remember, have them spayed or neutered. Help control the pet population. Oh, yes, because that's what that's what it'll do. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Love ya. Bye-bye. <laughs> Wesley Van Hoosen and Dylan Naylor are not pet professionals. Any advice regarding pet ownership and the responsibilities thereof taken from this program should be checked with your veterinarian. All episodes are researched thoroughly, fact-checked, and additionally researched during post-production. Annotated bibliographies of every episode can be found at we'regettingadog.com slash bibliographies. This podcast is hosted by Dylan Naylor and Wesley Van Hoosen. If you'd like to reach out or submit a photo of your dog to be featured on our social media, please contact us at WGAD at ArcadiaPodcastNetwork.com or on our Instagram at We're Getting a Dog. Thank you for listening to We're Getting a Dog from the Arcadia Podcast Network. If you'd like to support our podcast, please go to patreon.com slash we're getting a dog. We have different tiers with different benefits set up, and we hope that you will support us so that we can grow and continue to make quality content. Hi there, I'm Wesley Van Hoosen, and I make good food. I also have bad friends, but bad in a good way. On Good Food for Bad Friends, I'll have a different guest on each episode to learn all about their history with food. We'll talk about anything from the foods of their childhood to the deep-rooted culinary traditions that they've incorporated into their everyday lives. Along with each episode, one or two recipes will be released to you through our website. These recipes are researched, adapted, and tested by me, and they're inspired by the conversations I have with each guest. I hope you subscribe and tune in as I talk with all the different people in my life about their experiences with food. Available everywhere from the Arcadia Podcast Network.